Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Kennedy, and you tune in today because you're sick of trying every fad diet under the sun and training yourself into the ground without seeing any results. That's why I'm here to share the most effective ways to eat and train for sustainable and real results. What's up, legends? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. Today's show is going to be a fun one. Last week, I put up an Instagram story asking you guys to send me some nutrition questions. If you're not following me on Instagram, it's at DJK Fitness. Make sure you go and hit that follow button. Check out some of the content that I post daily. But what I want to do today is keep it nice and casual, run through the questions that I think are going to be the most beneficial for the listener. I'll try and keep it uh, not too long, but I'm going to do my absolute best to answer these questions. And uh, and I want to make them. I want to make these answers very easy for you guys to understand, very simple and and put it in a way that's going to be actionable. You guys can take the answers from today's show and then go and start implementing that into your own nutrition straight away to make sure you're seeing the results that you are after. So I'm going to get stuck straight into the episode, but before I do, I want you guys to make sure that if you do take some value from today's show, please do take a screenshot Post it on your Instagram story, tag me. Um, I'd love to see the feedback from today's show. I think a lot of people are going to get some value from it. So I am going to get stuck into the first question, and that is, how do you go about fitting alcohol into your macros or your calories? Now, if you're just tracking your calories and and hopefully you're tracking your protein as well, then it's very simple. You go into your calorie tracking app. Uh, For me, that's my fitness pal. I'll type in the name of the drink or if it's a barcode on the can or the bottle or whatever it may be, I'll scan that and I'll put put that drink in and it's automatically going to track the calories. Um, If you go to your macro targets for the day, there's going to be a slight... Uh, it's, it's not going to balance out as you would expect to see it when you have a normal day of eating and that's because there's em- empty calories in alcohol. Uh, so you would just track it in your calorie intake. Make sure you still hit your protein for the day and you are good to go. If you are tracking your macros specifically, so carbohydrates, fats, and proteins, uh, the best way to go about it is to divide the amount of calories in the drink by either four and taking that from your, your carbohydrate macros for the day or dividing it by nine and taking it from your fat macros for the day. Um, that's what I would recommend if you are being very specific with your macronutrient breakdown. Uh, and I want you guys to keep in mind that it is fine to enjoy a drink from time to time, especially this time of the year for us Aussies. We uh, we tend to enjoy the social side of things as the weather gets a bit warmer, which I'm sure most other people do across the world as well. Um, there's no need to feel guilty about it as long as you are tracking it. Um, and we could we could go on a whole another episode about what to do on the days where you know you're just not going to be able to stick to your calorie intake. Um, but for those that are wondering about how to track a few drinks here and there without going completely off track, that is my best my best recommendation. Um, the next question, and this is one I tend to get a lot actually, how do you know how many calories you are burning a day um, and would my Fitbit be accurate? Now, these Fitbits and stuff like that, yes, they can be very accurate in showing you how much you burn per day, but unless you're a full-time athlete or an athlete or someone who knows who wants to know exactly how many calories they're burning per session, then it's really not that important for you to know how many calories you're burning per session or per day because if your energy output uh, on average per week is very similar, so you do the same amount of gym sessions, you do the same cardio sessions, uh, you work the same job, all that type of stuff, even if you're progressing over time, your energy output is going to be relatively similar. So that's why when we do these calculations for your macro intakes for the week, I always take into account what your average energy output would be. And not specifically exactly how many calories you're, you're expending each day. If you do have that, that number, then it's going to make this whole process a lot easier. But 
you don't really need to know how many calories you're burning each session as long as you're sticking to a relatively similar routine each week and obviously focusing on progressive overload your your calorie deficit or your calorie surplus whatever your goal currently is at the time is going to be very similar unless you see a, a massive difference in your training for that week or you completely change your routine that's when it's going to be a little bit out of whack and i'd like to pair on to this answer about whether or not you need to be tracking your exercise in my fitness pal because that's a question that i get a lot as well and the answer is no you don't need to track your energy output in my fitness pal because as i just mentioned when you figure out how many calories you need to eat per day to be in a deficit most of the time you've taken into account your average energy output for the week um, or for the month or however you figured it out um, about to have a knee operation, so so this is the next question. About to have a knee operation, so won't be moving as much. Should I lower my calorie intake? Uh, yes, the answer is yes. Keep your protein intake very very similar, if not the same, but your calorie intake does need to reduce because your energy output is going to reduce. Um, it's, it's a pain in the ass, but that's just how it works. If you're not expending as much energy, then you need to be taking in less as well. Next question, do I carb cycle? Uh, I carb cycle when I am trying to lose fat uh, sometimes. So at the start of my fat loss phase, I'll just stick to a, a very standard calorie intake, making sure that I'm in a deficit. Uh, as I get to the point where I'm getting leaner and leaner uh, and it's harder and harder to lose fat, I'll start to, to cycle my carbohydrate intake. Uh, but it's, it's very important to understand that when you cycle carbs, your overall intake for the week still needs to be in a deficit. So... The most simple approach or the most simple way to explain carb cycling is let's say, for example, each day for seven days a week, you're trying to, to take in 200 grams of carbohydrates. Now, the most simple form of carb cycling, let's say we want to carb cycle one day a week, so we want kind of six lower days and one high day. The easiest way to do that would be to take 25 grams of carbohydrates from your normal intake six days of that week and just add them to the seventh. So if you usually have 200 grams per day and you take 25 off, that makes six days of your week now 175 grams. And we just add all of those carbs back on on the seventh day. And, you know, six, 25 grams of carbohydrates taken from six days is 300 grams of carbohydrates. So we would just add that on to the seventh day on top of our usual 200. So now that day, we would be eating 500 grams of carbohydrates, but our average intake for the week is exactly the same. So it's not rocket science. Uh, it's very easy to understand once you get your head around it. Uh, but I don't think it's necessary for everyone. It can be a really good way to mentally stay um, stay switched on in your fat loss phase. And it can also be a very beneficial way to physiologically stay fired up and keeping your metabolism cracking when you are in an, a deep deficit for an extended period of time. Um, what else have we got here? How important is it to track fiber? This is a great question. Uh, fiber intake, my recommendation is usually to get around 15 grams of fiber per 1,000 calories consumed for the day. So if you're eating 2,000 calories per day, then your aim should be to roughly get around 30 grams of fiber um, for the day. And that's how I track that. Next question, I always aim to hit my macronutrient goals, but always seem to have calories left over. Why is that? Now, with calorie tracking apps, a lot of the time, the macros and the calories don't necessarily add up, and that's because products in supermarkets, especially things with barcodes and labels and packaging and stuff like that, somehow, I don't know why, I don't know how, and it doesn't really make much sense to me, but certain food labels or certain food companies are allowed to list their, you know, for example, uh, sugar-free or, or zero-calorie drinks often have calories in them or a little bit of sugar. 
So the macronutrients don't always necessarily add up to the calories, which is a pain in the ass, to be perfectly honest. But you should always be tracking just your, well, not just, but you should always be focusing mainly on your macronutrient intake uh, anyways, unless you are drinking alcohol, as we mentioned at the start, because there's empty calories. So if you're tracking your macros and you haven't been drinking alcohol, then the main priority or the main numbers you should be looking at is what your macronutrient breakdown is for the day. Don't worry too much about the uh, about the calorie intake if it seems a little bit off that's fine unless it's way off then you might you might need to look at how you're tracking your foods how do i track meals when eating out this is a great question again um there's actually some really good questions here i haven't even looked through them yet so if i sound confused or i'm a little bit slow it's because i'm just trying to read through them so when i eat out the best way to do it is if you're eating somewhere that has a verified option on my fitness pal it's very simple you just type that in add it in like you would anything else and you're good to go if it's not, if there's no verified uh, option in my fitness pal for the meal you're about to have, just estimate, guys. It's not the end of the world. Close enough is good enough most of the time when it comes to nutrition and tracking your macros. So, if you're eating, for example, a beef burger, okay, beef burger and sweet potato chips, the best option for you would to be go into my fitness pal, type in beef burger, and if you know the exact ingredients in there, you can just add them in one by one. Otherwise, just type in beef burger. Choose a generic option that looks like it's a little bit higher calorie than what you think yours actually is, so you're overestimating. Do the same for sweet potato chips and off you go. It's not something that you need to be really, really focused on and, and overanalyzing every macro, okay, guys? As long as you are close enough and consistent, it's going to be good enough. You're going to see the results that, you're, that you want and um, it, it just does come back down to consistency. One good month or one good week is way better than one perfect day. Okay, um, that's something that I want everybody that's tuned in today to really keep in mind, and that goes for training as well, uh, but specifically with nutrition. Do you do pineapple on your pizza or not, and why? This is a good question. Uh, well, it's not that great actually, because no one's going to get anything out of this. But no, I don't usually do pineapple on my pizza. I don't know. I'm not sure why. It just doesn't seem right to me. Um, I'm no. Uh, I'm sure a fair few people out there right now are shaking their heads, but. Can't uh, can't seem to get my head around having the pineapple on the pizza. So I'm pretty plain, a pretty boring type of guy when it comes to my food. I just kind of go with the old barbecue chicken or Aussie pizza, and and uh, that's that's enough for me. You guys can keep your fruit. I'll I'll prefer to eat that in like a fruit salad or some shit. I reckon. Uh, next question is. Um, there's a supplement question here, but I think I'm going to leave that because I want to keep this to mainly nutrition. How do I avoid snacking? Um, I don't. I don't avoid snacking. I make sure that I'm tracking at the start of the day what my main meals are going to be. So my breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then whatever calories I have left over after that I use for my snacks, regardless of when it is, regardless of how many snacks there are, as long as I hit my calorie target for the day and my protein goal at the moment because I'm trying to gain size, so I'm a little less uh, a little less strict in terms of my carbohydrates and fats, although my calories and protein is strict each day. So I don't worry about snacking um, as long as it fits within my calorie goals for the day. What are my thoughts on adjusting macros on rest days or keeping them the same? I'm a, I'm a pretty big believer in just keeping your macros the same, to be perfectly honest. Unless you are following a carb cycling routine where, um, you know, you let's say you've got multiple high-carb days per week, so two high-carb days. 
I would be trying to plan my high carb days on my hardest training session days. Okay, so being strategic with when I plan my high carb days, or maybe I put that high carb day the day before, so my glycogen stores are nice and full, and I'm feeling good to go for the session the next day. But when it comes to rest days, I think you're better off just just figuring out your macro or your calorie goals for the week. Uh, your average that you need per day and just sticking with that because as I said, when you figure all that out or when you're taking into account how many calories you should be eating, you should also be taking into account your average energy output for the week. So it doesn't matter if you've got a rest day because your calorie intake for that week has been figured out assuming that you're training five days a week, six days a week, four days a week, whatever it may be. Um, so there's no need to go and adjust. I think that's when it gets a little bit too overcomplicated for some people when if you're someone that feels like you can afford to eat a lot less on a rest day because you'd rather keep those calories in on, on the days where you train, then go for it as long as your average for the week is where it needs to be uh, accordingly with what your goal is, whether it's fat loss or muscle growth, you know, making sure you're either in a deficit or a surplus or if you just want to maintain, staying at maintenance. Um, is it possible to change? Um, is it possible to change the keto diet to suit a vegetarian? Good luck. Uh, good luck trying to get your protein in. <laughs> Not really my area to talk about keto. Um, I know there are plenty of benefits of keto and I guess while we're... Oh, the next question, there you go. The next question was thoughts on keto. So... Look, I, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm not a fan of keto because firstly, I don't know that many people that can stick to the keto diet for the rest of their life comfortably and enjoy it and have it fit in with their lifestyle. If you can and you'd like to do that, then that's fantastic for you. I'm still not 100% um, certain that it's great for your health to be taking in so much uh, fats and particularly animal fats a lot of the time uh, and protein with minimal carbohydrates when the biggest thing you need to understand, guys, is that carbohydrates don't make you fat. Fats don't make you fat. Um, you know, Bad food doesn't make you fat. Eating too many calories consistently is what will make you gain weight. Okay, so if you're doing the keto diet because you think carbs are bad, then you're in it for the wrong reasons. If you're doing keto diet because it makes you feel great, your energy levels are great, your clarity, your mental clarity is great, um, you know, you don't necessarily eat that many carbs anyway or whatever it may be, then awesome. That's fantastic for you. But for me, I don't see the need in going into keto. I just think that, uh, and, and the other thing as well, I'm going to add to this is that most people that, you know, quote unquote follow keto never actually reach a state of, uh, of ketosis anyway. They're not using the the strips to find out whether or not they're in ketosis, and they just think that they're following, you know, by following a high fat diet that you're going to be in ketosis. That's it's not the case. It's actually quite hard to reach ketosis sometimes, especially for the first time. So, uh, look, guys, it's it's completely up to you. I'm not a massive fan of keto at all. Um, to the original question, is it possible to change the keto diet to suit a vegetarian? I'll just eat a balanced diet. I'd eat a balanced diet of protein, carbohydrates, and fats. Get your veggies in, get your fruits in, eat in whatever way you want to eat in as long as you're sticking to your calorie and macro targets that are going to put you in that deficit or that surplus. I feel like I'm repeating myself, but I kind of have to because it, it's that simple. It's so easy. I actually had a, uh, a good friend of mine today, a guest of the show uh, two weeks ago, Sarah Holloway. She came in today and we had a bit of a chat um, about nutrition and I was kind of just drawing down on a piece of paper of how it all works and I kind of drew a line in the middle of the page and said, look, this is your maintenance and then I did a dot below it and a dot above it. I said, if you're eating above it, you're going to gain weight. If you're eating below it, you're going to lose weight 
And, you know, there's other factors that come into play, like your cortisol, the amount of protein you're eating, the consistency, all that stuff, of course. But in the end of the day, it's as simple as that. You're either in a deficit or a surplus. Stop trying to overcomplicate it. It's not that hard. Um, it really is not that hard. Do you think it is good for fat loss to do intermittent fasting while counting macros? All right, this is another one I'll touch on, intermittent fasting, and I've spoke about it on the show before. Look, I understand that there are plenty of benefits of intermittent fasting. Um, yeah, There are a lot. There are a lot of benefits of intermittent fasting, and if that's something that you want to do, then that's amazing. I, myself, am not personally a fan of intermittent fasting for the following reasons. The first reason is that I think it teaches a, an unhealthy relationship with food because every meal you eat is a large meal and a lot of the time the food is not that high quality. Uh, a lot of the time it is calorie dense foods uh, because you're that hungry. You've got a lot of calories to get in before, you know, before your eating window closes. Um, and in my mind, it just creates an unhealthy relationship with food. That's just my opinion. Uh, the other reason as well is that it's not optimal a lot of the time in terms of your protein, uh, muscle protein synthesis by only getting protein in or in two different servings for the day or three different servings. If you're trying to get in, let's say, for example, we've got a male who's quite uh, muscular that's trying to get in 200 grams of protein per day and they're trying to do it over two meals. I mean, are you shitting me? You're going to get 100, meals of, 100 grams of protein per meal. Your body's not going to use anywhere near um, that 100 grams, so you're just kind of wasting the opportunity to to kind of spark up your muscle protein synthesis and uh, and get the most out of your protein for the day in terms of muscle growth, repair, recovery, and and increasing your metabolism. So look, um, intermittent fasting. If that's you know if it fits your lifestyle, you don't typically feel hungry in the morning. All that good stuff. Then that's sweet. If it works for you, then stick to it. For most people, though. I don't think it's something that's sustainable. Again, for me, there's no point following something if you're not going to stick to it for the rest of your life. And the other thing to keep in mind, guys, is that it's no, it's no magic potion. There's no magic pill. Intermittent fasting. Um, if you're eating, if you need to, if you know, for you to need, sorry, for you to lose fat, if you need to be eating 2,000 calories per day, and you get that. You know, from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed over the whole span of a day, or you get that 2,000 calories in a small window because you're doing intermittent fasting, it's still 2,000 calories, guys. That is, that's what you need to keep in mind is that a calorie deficit is a calorie deficit regardless of how many meals you have that day. So that's just my opinion on intermittent fasting. Um, take it or leave it. Uh, what's your opinion on the need for protein shakes after a workout? Is the window, quote unquote, window strict? Now, the old myth, the anabolic window is nowhere near as important as what most people think it is. You don't need to rush off after you finish your workout, quickly go and fill up your shaker and have a protein shake. Um, that is some pure bro science shit right there. Um, but it is important to get in high quality protein, uh, within, you know, I would say within 30 minutes up to two hours of your workout. Um, the higher quality of the protein, the better. The better, the quicker you're going to be able to start your your muscle repair, muscle recovery after your session. Um, but there is absolutely no need to be smashing a protein shake straight after. Um, 
you know, for some athletes, it's it's essential because they're trying to they're going to try and get into that recovery process as soon as possible. They want high quality protein that's gonna that's gonna be um, effective straight away. So something like a whey protein isolate or a whey protein hydrolyze, all this stuff that that's going to be beneficial. But for the average person, it's it's not essential to be going rushing to the water fountain, filling up your shaker, and having a shake straight after because the bro that's uh, that's jacked and trains biceps seven days a week says that that's what you need to do. It's just not the case. All right, next question. Let me have a look through these and see which ones are good. I hope you guys are enjoying this episode too. It's actually been quite fun to answer some of these. I might have to do do more of them. But if you do enjoy this, make sure, like I said, take a screenshot, uh, tag me on your Instagram story so I can see who is and who is enjoying it. Um, uh, what should your protein intake be depending on whether you're losing fat or building muscle? This is a great question and... Look, I, I'm a big believer in just keeping your protein the same regardless of whether you're in a fat loss or muscle gaining phase. Um, 100% it is more important to keep your protein up in a fat loss phase while you're in a deficit, keeping it on the higher end. But I think everybody should be eating a minimum of two grams of protein per kilo of body weight. Um, and that's, for me, my protein stays pretty much the same, regardless of whether I'm losing fat or building muscle. Uh, the only thing that really changes is the amount of carbohydrates and fats I'm eating to determine what my calorie intake is. Um, what is another good one? What is the best macro percentages or macro ratios for fat loss? Um, this comes down to personal preference, and I, I'm sure I've mentioned it on the show before, but once your protein and your calorie intake is set, in my eyes, the carbohydrate and fat ratio is, I'm not going to say irrelevant, but I think it is, it's far less important than what most people think. So a lot of my clients now, especially those that are just starting out and have never really tracked macros before, I'm not getting them to go and track their protein, carbohydrates, fats, fiber right to the exact gram straight away. I'm telling them to stick to a calorie goal, stick to their protein minimum, so their minimum of two grams per day per kilo uh, and of body weight, and then their carbohydrates and fats ratio can be basically whatever, it li- whatever they like as long as they're sticking to their, their calorie goal and hitting their protein minimum because the results are going to be very, very similar. So I'm not a massive believer in giving people a percentage they need to be hitting. Um, I'll find out off them whether they prefer to eat carbohydrates or fats, um, You know, which one do they like more of, and then that's how I'll come up with their macronutrient um, targets for the day. Question here in another language. Um, unfortunately, that is not going to be answered today because I've got no fucking idea what that says. Next question, thoughts on BCAs during your workout? Again, this is a supplement question, but I will answer it. Um, So BCAs, I think, are far less beneficial than what most people think they are. Um, I could be wrong, but that's just my opinion. Um, it's definitely a luxury supplement. So, but what I mean by that is that uh, there's a number of supplements that I think uh, should be an essential in most people's supplement program if they're using a supplement, uh, if they're using supplements. And BCAs is not at the top of the list for me, especially if you're in a calorie surplus. Um, but they can be a beneficial supplement, especially if you are training fasted um, and you're in a calorie deficit. Right. Next question. <laughs> what would you suggest is an optimal diet slash food regime as someone who is allergic to everything? Well, I'm not sure I can help you there, to be perfectly honest. So <laughs> there's not much I can really give you, unfortunately. But next question, I'm going to leave that one. 
What's your take on eating fats and carbs in the same meal, i.e. having avocado with tuna and rice? I think that is fine. Now, this wasn't even part of the question. We're going to add this in. A lot of the time, people, you know, you'll hear people talk about the glycemic index and sticking to lower GI carbohydrates so it doesn't spike their insulin. Now, when you eat a higher GI carbohydrate or any type of carbohydrate with other macronutrient groups, so for example, protein and fats, the the effect it has on your your uh, blood glucose levels is actually quite low because you're having it with other macronutrients. So there's absolutely no problem with having protein, you know, and carbs and fats all in the one meal. Um, again, don't overanalyze this type of stuff. Really think about the most important thing. Think of the meat and potatoes. Um, no pun intended, but calorie intake. And protein intake is what you need to be focused on the most. Then you want to focus on making sure you're getting in your micronutrients, so things like your fiber and getting enough fruit and veg. Um, and if you're sticking to your, your protein and carbs, that's even better. Um, and there's an episode I've actually done semi-recently, which was about the importance or the, the importance pyramid, I guess, of nutrition. So be sure to go back and check that out to hear my opinion on that. Best way to fight sugar cravings. A lot of people aren't going to agree with this answer, but I don't really give a shit. I, um, I'm big on, you know, firstly, there's no need to completely cut sugar out because, again, sugar isn't what's making everybody gain weight or making or stopping you from losing weight. The eating too many calories is what's stopping you from losing weight or making people gain weight. So, obviously, if it's an excessive amount of sugar, then that needs to be taken care of. But most of the time, it doesn't need to be really touched on at all. If you're just having a moderate amount of sugar, then don't stress. Um, but the best way to, to, to fight the sugar cravings, when I'm deep in a deficit, I'm a massive fan of having things like Coke Zero or um, Pepsi Max and stuff like that. You know, I love that shit. And for me, it does work. It does help me crave uh, curve those, those sugar cravings uh, and fight them off. But uh, I also make sure that I'm structuring my meals in a way that I'm not finishing my meals feeling hungry and wanting sugar. I'm making sure that I'm getting enough volume in my foods with things like vegetables, salads, lower carbohydrate, or sorry, lower volume food selections that are going to give me the most bang for my buck, and that's how I go about it. Best tips for an ectomorph type body trying to gain weight. Um, I get this question a lot, and a lot of the time, the message usually goes something like this. I'm an ectomorph, or I'm someone that's extremely skinny and finds it hard to put on weight. I'm doing everything I can, but I can't gain weight. What should I do? And my answer is always exactly the same. Eat more. It is that simple, guys. You need to eat more. If you if you are training hard, you're lifting weights, you're progressively overloading, you're getting enough protein, and you're, you know, you're, you're supposed to be eating all the time, and you're not gaining weight, then I've got news for you. You're not eating enough. You need to be eating more. I used to be in the exact same boat, and it wasn't until I started tracking my intake and figuring out how much I was actually meant to be having did I realize that I was way off where I needed to be. And that's when I bumped my intake up, and that's when I started to gain weight. Um, you know, I moved to Melbourne maybe five years ago, six, five or six years ago, something like that. No, more. Anyways, that's that's not... Oh, seven. Seven years ago. Six? Six or seven, anyway. None of you guys even give a shit at the moment. I'm just debating with myself. But when I moved to Melbourne, I was the exact same height as what I am now. And I was mm, just over 20 kilos lighter, which is insane. And it all came down to my calorie intake. I was not eating anywhere near enough. I was exercising a lot and not eating enough. So that meant I wasn't putting on weight. If anything, I was losing weight. Um, and... Yeah, so if, if you're an ectomorph, you're someone that struggles to put on on uh, on weight, you need to eat more. That's as simple as that. Make sure you're progressively overloading in the gym.
Uh, I'm worried if I learn to count my macros, I'll go down the path with bad eating or, or creating a bad relationship with food. What should I do? Um, look, I don't think there there's too much of it. If you're someone that's, like I said, close enough is good enough. So that's why I say to my, my clients that although we are tracking macros, if you prefer to track just calories and protein, that's fine. There's so there's so little amount of stress involved with that, making sure that you're consistently hitting your calorie target and hitting your protein target. And it's not something you need to overthink. Even when you're working with protein, carbs, and fats, you need, you can work in ranges. So let's say, for example, uh, I might give a client, um, you know, I need you to eat between 300 and 325 grams of carbs, between 60 and 70 grams of fat, and I want you to hit at least 180 grams of protein. Okay, so it doesn't need to be an exact T. It doesn't need to be the point where you're obsessing over it. And I say this a lot as well. Like, I cannot remember the last time I hit my macros exact. So to the point where I absolutely nailed them to the absolute T. I don't, I can't remember the last time I did that. Even when I'm getting ready for a show, it just rarely ever happens. So close enough is, is good enough. It's not something you need to be overstressing. And if you're someone that feels like that is going to create a bad relationship with food by having to track it all the time, then maybe it's a matter of tracking it for two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, whatever it may be until you get to the point where you're pretty good at eyeballing how much you need to be eating to, to be close to your calorie target. Um, that's my opinion anyway. Uh, all right, let's see what other questions. We're pushing the time up a little bit, but I think the content's good, so we're going to keep going. Um, how many? How do you work out how many calories and macros you have in a day? So the best way is to go to my show notes, go in, go to the macro calculator. It's free. You can go and use that. But the most accurate way is to track your regular food intake for a week. Um, don't change a thing. Just put in everything you eat into MyFitnessPal. At the end of the week, see whether you've gained weight, lost weight, or maintained. Uh, most likely, you've probably maintained your weight. And then all you need to do is go back and figure out what your average calorie intake for the week was, and that's your pretty much exact maintenance. So to lose fat, you just need to start eating below that, anywhere between 100 and 500 calories. To start gaining weight, you need to be eating above that, uh, very similar, anywhere between 100 and you know 500 calories above your maintenance to gain weight. That's, that's uh, the most accurate way anyway. Do I think carbohydrate timing is important? I think it is very important in terms of performance when you're in a deficit. So trying to time your carbohydrates around your workout time or whenever you find that you're going to train most effectively, um, you know, depending on when you eat your carbohydrates. Outside of that, in terms of body composition, I don't think it is that important. Um, like I said, Training performance should be the main priority, which is what's going to help you improve your body composition anyway because your energy output will be better if you're timing your carbs in a way that's going to help you train well. Um, but if you're eating carbs before bed, if you're eating them in the morning, if you're eating them during the day, if you're spreading them out, it's irrelevant as long as you're hitting your targets for that day. Okay, let's see what else we have here. Um, how often, if often uh sorry how often or if at all should you change your macros you do not need to change your macros until you reach a plateau for more than a couple of weeks okay so far often i see people chopping and changing their calorie intake and their macros every single week because they feel like they need to be doing something they almost feel bad for seeing results without making any changes or with without suffering fat loss doesn't need to be something that you suffer through 
Um, you need to be in a slight calorie deficit. And if you're losing weight, if you're losing body fat, if you're training well, you feel like your clothes are fitting better, your progress photos are improving, there's zero reason to change your macros, okay? Unless you reach a plateau for, for more than a couple of weeks, then you have the option of either slightly reducing food, slightly increasing your energy output, or doing a very little bit of both. Um, all right. Do I count my macros in my vegetables? Uh, all green vegetables I don't track in my macros. I just eat as many of them as I like because I figure I'm going to have to eat a shitload of them to really make any difference to my calorie intake, so I don't track those. How close to the protein margin should you be? Um, when it comes to macro ranges and how close I like my clients to be, I usually say protein and carbohydrates, I need you to be within, let's say, 10 to 20 grams. Um, the leaner you are and the, the, the more strict you're trying to be, obviously, the closer, the smaller those ranges need to be. Uh, for fat intake, I like my clients to be within 5 to 10 grams, uh, preferably within 5 grams of their fat intake for that day. Um, how do I increase my calories from deficit to maintenance effectively? Um, there's there's a number of different approaches to the the, the whole reverse dieting um, process. You can go very slowly, which is what I've done in the past, or you can go at a rate where you're getting to your maintenance very quickly and then slowing things down when you move into a surplus or, or slowing it down in terms of how long it takes you to get into a surplus, and that's what my recommendation would be. So usually if I've got someone that's gone from a fat loss phase to a gaining phase or transitioning to a gaining phase, I'll take them to their maintenance within one to two weeks from their deficit. And then from there, we'll assess what the, how the body responds and increase our calories um, accordingly with what the body's doing, what the energy levels are doing, strength's doing, hunger, all that type of stuff. But to get to maintenance, it should be quite quick. Um, all right. I feel like I said um, way too much today. Does that matter how late you eat? No, it does not. As I said before, focus on your overall calorie intake for the day. Um, is it better to have lots of small meals or big meals? Uh, again, it's irrelevant. The amount of meals you have, the meal frequency, the meal timing is irrelevant. Stick to your calorie intake, guys. When it comes to protein um, distribution throughout the day, I would recommend trying to evenly distribute your protein out throughout the day. Um, that is going to be the most beneficial in terms of muscle protein synthesis. Um, but when it comes to body composition, the amount of meals you have for the day, you know, the smaller, more frequent meals is not going to increase your metabolism. It's just not. Um, thoughts on building muscle on a plant-based diet? Yeah, look, it's fine. Uh, if you're getting enough protein from whatever sources you're using to get that protein and assuming that it's, it's hopefully higher quality protein, then there's no reason why you can't build muscle just because you're on a plant-based diet. I know a lot of people that are on plant-based diets that look unreal, perform unreal, are, are top-level athletes that are um, you know, building muscle, maintaining muscle, um, needing that muscle mass to perform at their peak week in, week out. So it's definitely achievable. Okay. So, sorry, guys, just scrolling through these these questions here. All right, this is a funny question, so I'm going to ask it. If I'm going to answer it. If you have a great week nutrition-wise but get on the piss on the weekend, what's the damage? <laughs> um, look, like I said earlier, it, you, it comes down to your overall calorie intake for that week, your average intake for the week. So let's say, for example, you need to be in a calorie deficit and you're eating in a 300-calorie deficit. So five days, let's say six days of the week, all right? So over the span 
of six days, you've eaten in a calorie deficit of 300 each day. And for the total that week, you know, you've put yourself in a deficit. On the seventh day, you decide to go out and drink, uh, you know, a lot of beers, a lot of wine. You probably end up eating some pretty average food as well or very calorie dense foods. It doesn't take long to completely blow out your weekly deficit and put yourself at either maintenance or in a surplus. So that's what you need to, to be mindful of. As I mentioned, I, I could do a full episode on what to do. I think I might have even already done one on what to do the day after a binge or, or the day after going uh, and the day off uh, of going way too high on your calorie intake. But it does have an effect. It does have an effect, especially calories uh, calories coming from alcohol because they really can't be effectively used for energy. So nothing really happens with them. And um, and like I said, you tend to blow out your calorie intake from food as well as the as the drinks. Are cheat meals okay? I'm not a fan of cheat meals. You don't need cheat meals. Um, you can fit the foods that you love the most into your calorie intake and still see progress. There's nothing logical about a cheat meal. Um, it's bad for your relationship with food. It is, it's, it's bad when it comes to having a consistent calorie intake over the span of the week that's going to help you predict whether you lose fat or don't lose fat or build muscle or don't lose muscle. Um, so I, I 110,000% would not recommend cheat meals. Um, right. Let's get through. I still got a fair few questions. Let me have a look through these. I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick three more. Um, how long? What's your go-to breakfast? What's my go-to breakfast? And what are the macros or calories? Cool question. Um, when I'm in a deficit, I stick to the exact same breakfast every single morning. Even now in a surplus, I absolutely love it. So I still stick to it. And for me, that is uh, that is. Oats, so I cook my oats in a bit of water. Once I get the oats out of the microwave, I add in a scoop of protein. I mix that in, and then I'll add on some berries, a little bit of sugar-free maple syrup, and uh, some peanut butter. Now, that meal is actually quite high in calories because I have a lot of oats. Uh, even when I was in my deficit, I was trying to load up on calories and carbs at breakfast time so then I could kind of get through my first half of the day at work because I was so busy and make sure that I still had enough energy later in the morning to to be giving the energy I needed to my clients but also being ready to come into training and, and really crush my session. So the calories in that are relatively high but you can make it a lot lower by having less oats, uh, less peanut butter or no peanut butter. And other than that, that's really the only things where you're getting the calories is the oats and the peanut butter. The, the protein powder or the protein that I use is quite low in calories and I'm getting about 30 grams of high quality protein from um, Swift Recharge Protein. Um, that's what I like to use. So um, that's, 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 what I, that's what I would go with. The other, um, the other side of that is that you can make it as high or low calories you want, similarly, similar to a, a, a smoothie. Um, if you're if you're having a lot of things like peanut butter, additives like honey, whatever it may be in your smoothie, you can make it very high calorie. There's a, a smoothie that I currently absolutely love, even while I'm in a surplus. Um, and and what I what it is is very simple. Sorry, I got really distracted here. I don't even know what I was distracted by, but. I stick to a banana, berries, and protein powder. And if I want to increase the calorie intake, I'll add in a scoop of peanut butter or 20 grams of peanut butter. Um, and and that's my that's my go-to shake or whatever for breakfast at the moment. But to answer the question properly, because I've just gone way off track, 
oats with protein powder, peanut butter, and berries. Um, while I'm in a deficit, and at the moment it is that smoothie, the the banana, the berries, and the protein powder. Okay, so last nutrition question, and I'm going to finish with a question after this that is on topic, but it, it's not just uh, to do with my nutrition. But anyway, this question here is, how the heck do I get 120 grams of protein per day? Now, first thing you can do is increase your portion sizes of what you're already eating for your protein. Um, that's a very easy one. The second thing is you maybe need to have another meal. You maybe need to add another meal to your day. And the third thing is to start adding in scoops of protein. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a protein shake. It could be oats with a bit of protein in there, like the protein powder I just mentioned just before this. It could be smoothie with protein in it. It could be adding half a scoop to the protein shake you're already having because that's going to bump up your protein very quickly and quite easily. So uh, it, it's quite easy to reach your protein intake once you get the hang of it and start choosing or selecting the foods and drinks um, that are going to make it a little bit easier on you. But if you're just trying to eat you know, chicken breast or whatever it is, um, you know, old age to try and get your protein intake yeah it's going to be it's going to be hard to do so that's i would not recommend that um but there are easy ways even things like protein bars and realizing that things like almonds and stuff have protein in it as well but it's just something you're going to pick up along the way if you're just new to flexible dieting if you're new to tracking your macros and yes it can be hard initially to track your protein uh, not to track it but to actually reach your protein intake if you're not used to getting two grams per kilo of body weight. But once you get the hang of it, it's quite easy. And trust me, it does It does make a big difference, guys. Okay, last question. And this comes uh, This comes from... I've lost the name. The person asked it to me, but it's a great question. So they've asked me about my recovery. So I want to break it into two parts, I guess. So the first part is nutrition and Hands down, making sure I'm getting enough protein plays a huge role in my recovery because when I don't eat enough protein, I notice it. I really do notice a difference in my muscle recovery and how sore I am the following day or the following days, especially after a big workout like a leg workout. I mean, man, it makes a massive difference. But the second part um, is my sleep. It is huge. And I talk about sleep all the time. I, you know, I'm the first one to admit that I don't get enough sleep. But what I do focus on is getting really high quality sleep. So I've started using, you know, blue light blocking glasses before bed sometimes. I make sure I drink plenty of water before bed. Um, when, you know, I'd say, five out of seven days a week I'm having like a cold shower right before I go to sleep um, I usually have a fair few carbohydrates before bed as well that's just how my day pans out because by the time I get home I need to have dinner I usually still have calories left over so I'll have something like a low-fat ice cream like a halo top or fro pro or something like that to get my carbs up so I've kind of got a bit of a, a full belly I'm kind of got a bit of a carb coma but my sleep is so important and um, you know about a month and a half ago, uh, I was contacted by a company um, called Juno Sleep, and they have a, a mattress, a Juno Sleep mattress. And you know, you know, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you will know that I never ever uh, do ads for the sake of doing ads. You know, uh, I'm not the type of person that does that. I only ever talk about a product if I if I truly believe in it. But they contacted me. Um, they said, you know, we'd love for you to try our mattress. And you know, obviously, I was. You know, as I take sleep seriously, I had a look into their website, checked out all the benefits of it. Um, you know, to name a few, the name, the main one that I was interested in is this, is this product I guess they use to make the mattress that Under Armour actually using at the moment as well, um, in their recovery clothing called Salient or Salient. I'm not actually sure how to pronounce it. Um, but basically what it does. Um, and I found this super interesting and this is why I kind of took them up on the offer to try it out. 
um, is that it converts the heat you expel from your body as you sleep into infrared light and promotes blood flow, uh, leading to more energy, increased performance, and faster recovery. Perfect for those that train hard. I'm just reading that um, off their website because my memory is not that good. But that's what I wanted to try it for because I was like, surely this thing doesn't actually work. I'm not actually sure how that could possibly come about. But I shit you not, I've been using it for a month and a half my sleep quality has been amazing. Um, I'm waking up in the morning actually feeling really fresh, even though I'm only getting, you know, this this is really bad and it's almost embarrassing to say this, but I'm only getting like maybe five hours of sleep most nights. Um, just because of the time I get home, the time I get up, I get sidetracked, I do emails, all that type of stuff. And But those five hours, I am out like an absolute light. And I wake up in the morning feeling pretty good. Uh, my posture and everything has felt great. I'm, you know, even after big leg sessions and stuff, I'm waking up feeling good. And at the start, I was like, surely this mattress is not going to do that much for me. Um, but it has. And like I said, I wouldn't talk about it. I wouldn't promote it if I didn't think that it was going to benefit you guys. But I know that it will. Um, one of the coolest things that, uh, that they said to me initially is because uh, I said if I liked it, I would talk about it on the show. Um, and they mentioned that there's a 120, 120 night trial period. So if you're thinking of trying this out, if you want to give it a go, if you're taking your sleep really seriously and you find it important like I, I hope you would, there's absolutely no stress about trying it because you have a 120-night trial period. It arrives the following day, which is awesome if you're going to be ordering it um, and you want to deliver it relatively quickly. It came, this thing came in a box. I mean, you should have seen. I thought that it got delivered the wrong thing. I was like, where, like, where the fuck is this mattress? And it's in the box. It was like in it, it's airtight, sealed bag, and had to cut open and just this thing just like rolled out and off you go. She's on the bed. Um, so it was the easiest delivery and easiest unpacking of a of a mattress ever. I didn't have to try and get it up uh, in the lift, which is another story. I bought a couch recently, and that's still in my car park because it turns out it's a little bit too big to fit in the lift or the staircase, which is amazing. So. Uh, First recommendation I would say if you're going to buy a couch is maybe measure your apartment or your house, which is probably be the first thing you do, um, unless you're me. But anyway, that's a completely different story. Um, and you guys can actually get $100 off your, your purchase if you use my code DK24. I don't get anything out of that, guys. Um, but... I know you will get something out of that and I just wanted to ask if I could get a code off these guys to make sure that you get a benefit um, out of listening to me talk about this because I don't do ads often, ever, really ever. Um, but today I am talking about this product. So if you want to try it out, again, it's Juno Sleep. I'll put their link in the show notes so you can go and check out their website, see if there's anything you like. Um, if there is, give it a whirl. If not, then that's completely fine as well. But that does bring us to the end of today's Q&A. I hope you've enjoyed it. I actually really did enjoy um, the Q&A aside from hearing my own voice for about 45 minutes. Um, other than that, it was really fun. So if you've enjoyed the episode, please do take a screenshot, post it on your Instagram story, tell a friend, share the link on Facebook, whatever it may be. All the help does really make a difference and I do really appreciate it. So um, thanks a lot, guys. I hope you're having a fantastic day. Really can't wait to come to you with the next episode. We've got some really cool and fun guests lined up, which I know you'll uh, you'll get a lot out of as well. So enjoy the rest of your day. Make sure you tune in next week and hit that subscribe button. Thank you so much for listening.